Welcome to Talking Wyndham, your weekly insight into the people who make our city surprising, fascinating, vibrant and interesting. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page. G'day and welcome to another edition of the Talking Wyndham podcast. My name is Kevin Hillier. Today, another great character of the West uh, will be unveiled. Uh, a lot of you may already know him, but uh, we'll certainly uh, explore his very uh, interesting, colourful uh, and a terrific life of service uh, to the people of the West uh, for the uh, the CFA as a volunteer for uh, for a long, long time. We'll get him to take up the story in just a tick. Uh, but a reminder about the Committee for Wyndham. Don't forget, if you want to find out exactly what they're all about, the programs they have on offer and what they do and what they can offer you and what you can offer them too, uh, simply jump on the Facebook page and on the website and get all the details, uh, the Committee for Wyndham. But let's meet uh, today's guest, a man who, as I said, is uh, well-known uh, to a lot of people in the western suburbs, and if he isn't, he damn well should be, because he's a bit of a, a local hero. Uh, let's get him to take up the story. His name is Terry Head, and he, of course, is a volunteer with the CFA. This is my 55th fire danger series, this one this year, 55, operational. How did you get into it in the, the beginning? Because you must have been, what, two? No, no, no. I was um, from <laughs> 79, nearly, next <laughs> month where I'll be 79. So, yeah, I was, me and Rich, was all farmers around here back then when I yep. came to Liverpool. I came here in about 1965. I lived in Pinesford out near the other side of Geelong most of my childhood, and on a farm out there. Dad worked on a farm out there. And um, come out here and my uncle owned this property where I live and uh, he died. And then his wife died later on. They had no family. So eventually I bought it, you know, when I was sort of probably about 21 or two or something, I think. Can't yeah. remember that. Uh, off the estate. So that's how I ended up here. And um, Ian Richmond and, um, you know, Rally Turnside and all them sort of used to come here getting jobs done in the workshop. So they said, oh, why don't you join the brigade? And so that's what happened. Ended up joining back then. And, yeah. So uh, my first big fire, of course, was the Lara ones in yeah. Gee was what, what are your memories of that? I mean, that's that's uh, right. that's etched in everyone's uh, memories in history, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, I, I remember that distinctly. Um, we got caught. Actually, the, for just diverting a bit, we've got a monument. I don't know whether you know it. We built on the farm that I own now. Well, I didn't own it then, over on the back of Marsh Road, part of Woolamanata. Yeah. And we built a monument there last 2019 and a big glass and all that on it. I, I did it personally myself uh, to where the fire started. Oh, right. It, it started the day before. We thought we'd put it out. But in those days, you know, after the fire, the farmer that owned the property, which was Woolamanata, they put on a barrel and <laughs> big food and all that for all the fireys that turned up to thank them for doing the job, you know. Yeah. But unbeknown to everybody, they left a lot of old dead trees smoking, you know, overnight. And, of course, next morning was a shocking day, and that was the start of the big fires. It was a terrible day. never been a day like it. We never had power in Little River for a week. Burned every power pole around here for miles, and one week without power. And I saw those poor people on the highway, incinerated, on fences, stuck on fences. It was pretty sad, you know. Because it jumped the road, didn't it? Yes, it went straight through them, yeah. Actually, the lady that... Um, one of the ladies on that road that day, she only died a couple of weeks ago. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, she was a uh, – she'd been down to the airport in Melbourne to take her daughter somewhere, and uh, 
coming back, she saw this big smoke coming across and there's a sad story there, but uh, she was terrific. She did a lot of TV interviews and media interviews then, then, you know, in 2019 about it, which was all on record, which was very good. She explained it all to what happened. Just went black and someone wanted to go in and tow his bloke come out, wanted, wanted her to go in and tow him out, but his car had stopped. Yeah. And she said, oh, I can't, I can't, you know. And she, well, he went back in and obviously he was one that perished. So she had to, she couldn't go in it. She couldn't see, she couldn't breathe. Yeah, so it was a terrible day, that. And the heroics, of, the heroics of that day are much talked about uh, and, and, and a folklore these days, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Last Wednesday was bad too, of course, but um, the other ones, of course, we had last year, they were terrible too, weren't they? They couldn't get much worse than last year. Yeah. The bush over there in this Victoria, but New South, and- Luckily, we were spared last year pretty good, weren't we, around this area? Very luckily, yeah, as you say. But is it, is it good luck or good management? It's probably more good management, isn't it? Oh, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. We had one in 2018, as you know, out north of Little River here. For this COVID thing, we can't have our meetings. You know, we usually have a meeting in the town here. We have one up north of Little River and up sort of a newer area up north is five acre blocks then we go down the other side on the Geelong side and have a meeting down there of an evening get all the locals to come but with this COVID thing this year we're not allowed to do that so that's why they're trying to push it all more now through the media and such. Does that worry you that you haven't been able to uh, you're not able to get a kind of face-to-face contact with people and tell them the risks yep. and, the, and, and what they need to do? Yes does a bit yes definitely yeah because yeah, people tend to lean to the locals for advice more than the hierarchy, more, you know, more than the you know the the main big chiefs in Melbourne. Yeah, it's interesting how they all come to the local people. You know, after the fires or during the when the fires are over, which like in 2018, we packed out the fire station, couldn't get them all in up here after that, and the questions and the people just turned up from everywhere, and they're all sort of you know thanking us for what everyone did, and they like to get the local stuff more than someone from Geelong or Melbourne coming down and saying, oh, you did a good job or, you know, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. So, oh, And Terry, I would imagine your local knowledge of, uh, you know, winds and where, how things move and what, what's where and, uh, and what's, what's in, the, in the way of something coming, your knowledge of that would be better than anyone from Geelong or Melbourne. Oh, absolutely, yes. Oh, absolutely. See, what happened on the fire in 18, 2018, they sent people out from Geelong that didn't know where they were. It's a bit of a nuisance, really. They... Yeah, you know, they weren't familiar with the area, whereas the locals, we all know where, where someone lives and where you can get in and get out and dead-end roads and stone walls and all that. Well, that knowledge is that invaluable, you know, in a decent fire. So um, yeah, you miss that a bit, but it's sort of, a lot of that's disappearing from our radar now. It's been run more from the cities and the, you know, the new hierarchy people sort of thing. Terry, knowing what you know about, uh, you know, the area and you, you obviously, you know, you're there right in the middle of it uh, because you live there, is is this, is what we've got coming ahead of us for, for this summer, does it look good or bad to you at the moment? It doesn't look good because we've got, well, we've got so much growth. I've never seen growth like it. I've got farms here in the Geelong, over the river here in Geelong, and crops, we haven't had crops, I don't reckon, like this for probably 15 years. What's the reason you know, for that? Oh, well, good rainfall. See, we've yeah. had good rain just at the right time. You know, we just had the right rain, not too wet in the winter. Whereas last year was too wet in the winter. We didn't get a lot of crop in last year, but this year we've had, we got the crops in and we had the rain just come through just nice. No, no big floods, no nothing. Just terrific. No, it's really a bumper year. Grass everywhere. We can't keep up with it. Sheep can't keep up with it. Uh-huh. We're out. 
we're out ploughing five rates now. My son is over on the farms and that, things like that. So, yeah, we are preparing for a grass fire season, really, more than we're not in the bush areas, you realise. But um, yeah. not looking that flash, but you never know. They're talking about El Nino. It's going to be wetter than normal and blah, blah, blah. So, who knows? It might stay green all summer. I was about to say, given the, given you know the uh, the pontificating that goes on about uh, weather and all those sorts of things, what what's your best indicator of what the summer's more likely to be? Well, we sort of look at the grass and how it's curing and all that stuff. See, the fire we had in two thousand and eighteen, it was a dry year. We had hardly any growth, but that fire moved very quickly. And I was talking to the chief officer yesterday, Gary Cook, and he said sometimes when you've got less growth. And he's right, and the fire will move quicker because there's not as much to burn. Yeah. Whereas when it's thick grass, it might be higher and more intense, but it sort of slows it down a little bit, you know, depending on wind, of course. But uh, yeah, when it's, um, I remember in the 85 fires, I think it was, the paddock up here in Bourbon Road was burnt, or what I can't remember the exact year, but it was burnt a week before, serrated, cutting all that stuff out near the quarries there. Had another fire a week later. And burnt over the top of it again. Oh, with God. All, the, all the old tussock and that had blown over that burnt patch, as black as, and um, it burnt across it again. You know, you wouldn't believe it. It's just how things are. But uh, with the wind and moves, stuff that's quick. Wind's a big killer, of course, as you know. But see, a lot of our fires, I keep telling people at these meetings we have, street corner meetings, everyone thinks the fire comes in to this area from the north. It usually starts out in the northern area, the little river and up around, you know, Ballyang and all that sort of thing, the, you know, those anarchy pies and all that. Yeah. And, uh, but then in the middle afternoon when the things are really bad, you get that wind change in the southwest, they come in from the Lara fire, come into Little River from the wind change. It was going to miss Lara, uh, miss Little River and go to Lara. Then we had that wind change because we all rushed back into Little River and it, it chased us down the roads to get back here to try and save things. So yeah. it's a, it comes in from the south-west wind change is pretty important. Some people tend to think, oh, it all comes from the north, but no, it doesn't. Not always. Hmm. Technology's changed uh, the way we do so many things in our lives these days, so from communication to everything. Has it changed firefighting much? Oh, yeah, there's, there's a lot more. Uh, we've got much better equipment now than we had back in you know, the early days sort of yeah. thing. We've got better trucks, we've got better revenue, safer for the volunteers and the people on them. They're bigger, of course, which sometimes can be a bit of a nuisance in some situations. But, no, we've got good equipment. There's no question about that. Aircraft are amazing things. They're, they've really changed the, the scope of things. You know, when you get those aircraft moving around, if you can get them, they do a magnificent job. They really saved a lot of places on that um, 2018 fire out You're talking air. about the water bombers, like the Elvis? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And the big lats ones, you know, the big big swing ones, and they're due out here shortly again too. They're going to be getting them in because the Mallee's in fire restrictions now. Yeah, it's not looking all that flash, but, but what's making it harder for us as a brigade, our brigade, we're in this, you know, code four or whatever, level four restrictions, this COVID thing. So we haven't been at the fire station since April, I don't think. We've been not allowed to meet. We're not allowed to do this. We're not allowed to do that. So we've been trying to get yeah, everyone sort of lost a bit of interest because we're not allowed to meet up there of a Sunday morning. We have to meet every Sunday morning to stuff and prepare trucks and look after things. We just run the trucks now every couple of weeks. One person goes up, runs the truck. You know, it's sort of limited it's a bit. It's, it's, we've got to do pre-summer stuff, you know, like how to save ourselves if the truck gets caught in a fire and all that and, you know, hazards trees and things like that. So it will definitely help 
if we can get back together again because we lose a bit of well, people lose morale, you know. That's, yeah. Social side of it, you know, you just get a bit sped up. You like you're just part of your life. You I was going to say the, the camar the camaraderie between you blokes would be, uh, well, and the whole team would be terrific. It has been in the past, but it started to slip. I've noticed it this year. It's really started. It's really changed in our brigade, which is a bit unfortunate. The problem we've got here in Two and Little River, and I stressed this on another report I did for our group. I'm in the Anarchy Group, see, which is part of Geelong. Little River, we don't have any one acre or small house blocks for sale, right? Apart from in the main street here. Yeah. It's all five acres, ten acres, you know, the hobby farm type. Now, a lot of the young people, you know, starting out their first home, they can't afford to buy these sort of properties when they come up for sale. Like, they're talking a million plus for everything around here, you know. Well, they, they can't go in on those. So we're sort of getting more of the investor type people, the, you know, they're just sitting on them and, hobby farms and that, older people that are retirees and things for lifestyle change. But Yeah. So that affects, obviously, harder. your ability to, to get new volunteers. It is harder, yes. Definitely harder, yes. Yeah, as I said, we're all farmers once, but there's hardly, I'm about the only one left now in, in the brigade. Yeah, me and my son. Life change, isn't it? Yep. Uh, so you go through yearly kind of uh, top-ups of, uh, you know, uh, changes in, in how you go about things. Has the actual way to fight a fire changed that much in the time that you've been doing it? Oh, not really. They're getting a bit more now, which I don't agree with. It's a bit more about who's in charge of the fire, who's in command. Right. You know, I'm a bit more, get out there, you, let the experienced people do what they know best. They've been doing it for a long time, and we haven't made too many mistakes. We haven't lost anyone out here in these rural brigades. But now it's all about people coming from somewhere else. They're in charge, you know, the command. And it's all about, you know, they're the boss and everybody's got to do what they say. It's all right after a while when things settle down. But at the initial stage of the fire, the trucks have got to just get out there and get the damn thing out as quick as we can. That's the secret. Hit it fast and hit it hard, you know. Yeah. And that's what we did in 2018. We had that big bulk water tanker of ours out there. Followed the fire trucks out, the two fire trucks of ours. And we saved quite a chunk of land out there, quite a few homes, with having that big truck out there that we used to fill our two tankers once they run out of water straight away on this job. We didn't have to come into town to get water. There was no water out there, you know, no town water, no mains out that way, out north of Little River. So that was a big plus for us, but uh, anyhow, that's how it was. But um, we were fairly uh, lucky that day, I think, really. The oh. aeroplanes came in quick and got them on board from Avalon, and that made a hell of a difference, yeah. I would imagine you've never been in the situation where the fire actually stops while you wait for the right uh, the right person to turn up. It just uh, it has a mind of its own. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most of us locally, we know you know where there's a certain like canola paddock don't usually burn too well. They burn, but they don't. It's not as intense. Yeah. Whereas a wheat crop or a stubble paddock or a grass paddock, they burn like Billy and Serrated so stuff. It's even worse. Yeah. Once you um, get to know where there's a stubble paddock or you sort of think a bit about that, or if there's a canola crop somewhere that's been harvested, you sort of, it usually slows it down. And that's what happened in 18 up here on Richmond's property. They had a canola crop there that burnt, but it didn't burn fiercely. It sort of went slower, which made it easier. Terry, use this oh. podcast as, uh, as your message to people in the Little River area about what they should uh, what they should be doing if they haven't done it already uh, in preparation for this summer that's coming. Yeah, well, that's what they want to do. We've had a lot of people burning off. I've put it in the news review, our little paper I write up every month for the local community. And, um, yeah, a lot of them have been getting permits, burning up. If someone's a day burning, ringing me, yeah, we're going to burn this. So I said, yeah, get into it. It's a beautiful day. Get rid of everything you can. 
it's going to be a fire risk. So that's what we're trying to do. I've got a lady I want to check up on. She had a bit of a problem with health and that, and I want to go and see if I can help her clean up around her place. She's on a 10-acre block up north here. Yep. She's been very good to the brigade. She collects money for us and all that. So I'm going up to see her after and uh, see if I can help personally because it's so hard now for the brigades to go and do any burns. We've got to have burn plans. We've got to have this. We've got to have that. Just not a years ago, we used to go out and burn someone's a bit of a break for somebody or do things, a pile of rubbish, you know, but we can't do that now. It's, it's all tied up with regulations. It makes yeah. it hard. That's yeah. my thing. But yeah, most people around here are doing a pretty good job. The biggest problem we've probably got is there's a few properties around that have got, um, and no one's been able to do anything about it, a lot of uh, old cars and that, you know, stacks of cars on five and ten acre blocks full of fuel, tyres, plastics and all that. Well, if they catch fire, well, that's this is another, another drama, you know. But, yeah. And there's nothing much the councils can do, apparently, to, to get people to clean, get rid of them. You know, so I don't know what the story is there. And uh, we spoke yesterday to the chief officer that about the railway line. The railway line used to be burnt every year and all that. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. They used to put fire breaks, cloud breaks down along the fences inside the rail reserve. That doesn't happen anymore. And what happens now is all the uh, outback drivers go up these muddy old roads now, and we can't get access to most of the railway line from here to Werribee. It's just all too boggy and it's too much wreck for everybody and that's a bit of a problem for a little river actually, the railway line. Yeah. And we spoke, I spoke to the chief officer yesterday about it. They don't do any fire pre- preparation around here now between Geelong and that I know, not for years now along Bedina. From Lara to Little uh, to Werribee and Little River and all, there's nothing gets done. That's, um, that's bureaucracy at its finest? Yeah, well, that's right. We've, I've hammered it. I've hammered it for years. But And even the chief officer yesterday, I was talking to him about it. And Mr. Cripps, you know, Andrew Cripps, mentioned to him about it too. And he, they were saying the same thing. You know, people you've got to go through to do anything. Yeah. But anyhow, we're just trying to do the best we can and get as many people to do what they can and make sure they have access to fire trucks to their property. We went to a place yesterday just just to visit, couldn't get the truck in because there's a big tree sort of in the driveway and you can't get under it. So as I said, the bigger trucks make things more difficult sometimes too. So, um, you know, people have got to just be aware of that. If they want us to come to support them and help them protect their home, well, we've got to be able to get there. It's no good sitting out on the road. Yeah. So uh, any thoughts of uh, throwing the towel in and uh, not being a, a CFA volunteer in the in the near future? doesn't sound like it to me. Not just at the moment, but I've, yeah, I've I have to think about it, of course, because I'm not getting any younger. But, you know, it's um, we are limited to people. We haven't got a hell of a lot of, you know, experienced people. We've got a few, but, you know, a lot of them don't work and live here all the time. Or they live here, but they don't work here all the time. So yeah. it depends on the day of the week and all that. So, um, but anyhow, see, we had three new people lined up for members this year, but they couldn't get trained. So now they've got to wait till next year. Yeah. It makes it hard. You know, we had three new people we put in to do some training and, you know, get them up and running for this season. But then we had to cancel it all because of this COVID thing. So we'll see if they cancelled it all. We didn't, they did. So, Terry, how many is in the, in the Little River CFA Brigade currently? We, we've got about 15 operations. That means ones that go, can go out on the truck. We've got two or three non-operational, which can assist, you know, with things. But they can't actually, they don't want to go out on the trucks anymore. Yep. But we'll get there. We've, um, we've got very good equipment. We've got two good tankers. We've got our big bulk water tanker, which we're trying to upgrade to get a new prime mover for it. We're putting in for a grant, a government grant for that. In the next couple of weeks, I'm talking to the CFA vehicle people about that. They've got to okay it all and such. So 
I should have an answer on that hopefully next week. And uh, we're going to apply for that. See if we can up, we're put a new truck underneath our big 17,000 litre tanker. It's a beautiful big unit, but the old truck's a 1993 Echo, old school, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Got a bit of money. We've, people have been very good to us. The, the shop here at Little River has been magnificent. Lisa and Peter, they have a tin there can, all the time, collect money out of, off the counter from people. She tells them to put some money into the place, and that's been terrific, you know. We've had yeah. some good support. Hotel support as well, you know, the Lions Club in Little River support as well. So we've got some, and the Wyndham Council, I must mention, they really support us well. I won't say the same about Geelong. I can't because I've never had one cent, our brigade's never had one cent from Geelong. Wow. Mainly, I suppose, because, because the fire station is in Wyndham Shire, which I wanted to stay there too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wyndham, yeah. No, Wyndham have been excellent. We, we absolutely, you know, magnificent job Wyndham do. And I must congratulate them. I often do, you know, so they have been magnificent. They have a dinner every year for emergency services. a great night. They invite the police, the ambulance, SES, everyone, Coast Guard and all. Don't have this in Geelong. It's a different culture down there. Nothing, not interested in volunteerism. I just wish they would um, get a bit more into the volunteer side of things and help communities that have got volunteers doing work, all sorts of things, you know. I just hope we can keep the relationship with Wyndham going and get some good, keep some good counsellors that we've got. Things will still keep progressing. So, uh, no, Wyndham have been very good to us with grants and things, and the Bendigo Community Bank at Lara has been very good to us too. So, you know, we're going pretty good, and we've had a couple of good local donations from families in the town, which is great. Anonymous donations, which is fair enough. Yep. So I've been on to Tim Palace. So I get on fairly well with Tim. He's um, been helping us out if he can. Comes to our uh, ward night, uh, ward days, and that, which is good. Which is, you know, we don't get too. I haven't seen anyone since Dr. Jim Cairns used to be our representative down here. You know, he was a good bloke too, old Jim. Jim Cairns, you probably don't remember Jim. Oh, do no, you? I remember Jim. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Well, you must be a bit older than yeah, younger no. than me. Then. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I, you spot me a couple of years, but not that many. <laughs> Fair enough. <All> right. <laughs> no, well, he was a good representative for us from the federal government. But yeah, we, and Joanne Ryan, I've got to talk to Joanne tonight on a WebEx or whatever they call it now. You know, so yep. uh, we'll see how we go there with different things. You can ask me a lot of questions, I suppose, about like what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Good on you, Terry, mate. Thanks so much well, for your time. Thanks so much for your service to the community. It's uh, it's sensational. Your 55th year, year, summer of of jumping in and uh, and helping out uh, uh, in, in the Little River area. We really appreciate it and uh, thanks so much for your time. Good health to you, mate. Good on you, mate. Same to you. Thanks for that. Thanks to Terry. What a wonderful character and what a great person to have in the western suburbs. And if he's got your back, yeah, you're going to be okay, I think, uh, nine times out of ten. Uh, so thanks to Terry for his time and let's hope that's a continued involvement that he has for many, many, many years to come. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Talking Wyndham podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. On behalf of the Committee for Wyndham, check out their Facebook page and their website. Uh, be safe this fire season. Uh, do uh, We all need to take uh, extra special care because uh, after the last couple of very warm days we've had, uh, it might be uh, it might be a bad one. Let's hope it's not. Let's do what we can to make sure that it isn't, and that people like Terry don't have to uh, work too hard in this this coming summer. And hope they get we all get through it uh, uh, the way we should. Uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page.